Hey guys, welcome to the sixth episode of the Onside Podcast. Uh, this was one of my most insightful episodes I've done. I spoke with Aaron Nicer, who's an investment manager in Lead Sports, a leading sports tech accelerator. And they recently had made their first investment in India with Ruta, a sports community platform. Aaron speaks his mind on a range of topics, right from his work at Lead Sports, the exciting startups that he gets to manage, and what sports truly means to him. So let's get started. So uh, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Thank you for the invite. You can start with giving a, your, you know, a quick background of yourself and you know your journey till now. Well, my kind of professional journey started 2013 when I graduated from high school and I joined uh, a university here in Germany uh, for a three-year business administration bachelor study. And after that, uh, I went into consultancy. I worked uh, nearly a year for consultancy um, uh, with corporate projects. Um, but yeah, within the year, within those 12 months, I actually realized that neither consultancy is something for me, nor the corporate lifestyle. Why not yeah. consultancy? Um, because I think it's not satisfying enough or it's not satisfying my personal ambitions. So. All the time you work on a project, you go through more or less the same strategic frameworks as you've learned in the universities. Um, you adapt them relating to the customer you're serving. But in the end, you finish, you present um, your, your results, um, but you never know what is actually implemented, what is good for the company, yeah. because then you, you quit the project. Um, you go to the next client um, and no one keeps being informed what actually has happened uh, to your old client. Okay. So whether they implemented feature one, two or three, how productive that was. So for me as a young person um, who wants to learn, who wants to improve um, my skills, uh, this was something um, where exactly that improvement of my skills was not foreseeable because I never get the feedback for the work I've done. Um, why not the corporate? Because in my eyes, it's too cumbersome. Uh, it's not inspirational enough and not uh, innovative enough. Um, that, that goes for a couple of corporates. There are, of course, exemptions, but um, I think overall, uh, that's not the kind of work environment I want to see myself in. Um, so I decided, okay, now I studied business administration in my bachelor. How do I get the turnaround while still staying in the management, still staying in the business environment. Um, so I started a one-year master program, strategic entrepreneurship at Rotterdam School of Management. Um, that is a department um, from Erasmus University in Rotterdam. Okay. Um, and this was very much focusing on entrepreneurial thinking, design thinking, coming up with solutions for problems, identifying problems, first of all, um, engaging with potential clients, customers, getting feedback, improving the product. So a lot about that idea creation, idea stage of a startup business. Um, and during my thesis, my master thesis, I focused on how initial coin offerings and cryptocurrencies disrupt the venture capital business model. Um, so for that, it was a qualitative study, meaning I interviewed a lot of VCs because I mean, there is no quantitative knowledge out there. Back then, it was 2018 when, when the whole cryptocurrency world was uh, very hyped. Um, mm. 
and I actually, um, through that, I got engaged with the VC community. Um, I interviewed a lot of general partners at funds, international funds. Um, I learned to know the, the VC thinking, um, got the ideas, and I decided, okay, um, either I want to be a founder or I want to work closely with founders and decide what business ideas are promising. And um, yeah, during that study, I got also in touch with the investment manager of Lead, Lead Sports. Mm. Um, I love the mission and the vision from the very start. Um, yeah, and then I joined in September 2018. And since then, I'm with Lead. Oh, nice. Um, so at your current role at Lead Sports, what is your day-to-day operations look like? And, you know, how, how has it been so far? Um, shall I shall I give a big background on yes, what LEAD yes, is? Or yes. okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, LEAD LEAD is basically standing for a legacy of Adidasla. Um, so our okay. whole story started back in the 1990s when the family sold the business. Since then, the family um, has worked always closely with founders together, um, but more on like individual cases um, and case by case mm-hmm. scenarios. Um, and five, six years back, they actually got together with a couple of other renowned investors and family offices and basically sat together and thought about, okay, how do we revitalize the legacy of our grandfather, Adi Dassler? Mm-hmm. And it was clear that Adi Dassler was not only the founder of a global sports empire that Adidas is nowadays, but actually someone who was aspired to help young athletes becoming become better athletes so improve their performance yeah. improve their results um and and help them towards the goal of success mm. so translating that vision that was born in the 1940s 1950s into the future and into basically the the current environment um they decided that athletes are basically founders nowadays so founders mm-hmm. that aspire to become um, managers of a global leading uh, company um, change the way people interact in the future w- within the realm of sports. Um, so LEAD is basically trying nowadays to help those founders slash athletes uh, to become better selves um, by helping them business-wise, financially-wise, um, network-wise. Um, and in 2017, we started our first accelerator program in Berlin. We onboarded 15 startups back then. Um, it was a three-month program focusing more or less on the core principles of leadership, strategy, commercial, fundraising, legal, and IP and finance. So basically every aspect of the business that is important for, for young founders in, in, the, in, in the environment of sports tech. Um, yeah. And after three months, uh, actually all these 15 startups graduated from our program. We had 15 startups in our portfolio. We invested 15 times. Um, but we decided that the journey for our startups, for ourselves, is not over then. Um, so we created the, what we call nowadays the lead portfolio. Um, which mm. continues uh, the support in the areas of especially strategy, commercial, which means, for example, performance marketing, uh, user acquisition in the areas of fundraising and in the areas of operations. So how is an, 
AI adoption, for example, look like? How can we mm -hmm. help to secure the IP of the business and so on? How, how do we hire um, executive and non-executive members that fit to the business and fit to the, to the founding team? Um, mm. and, and we help with a day-to-day -day business support, but also with follow-on funding. So in the last three years now, we invested uh, over 10 million US dollars in nearly 18 rounds um, and invested mm. checks between 100K and 1 million, always in the companies from our accelerator. Um, and while 2017 was the first edition um, of the accelerator, we've done two more accelerators, one in uh, fall 2019 and one, uh, one in fall 2018 and one in fall 2019, um, mm. where we onboarded once nine startups and lately seven startups we, because we decided the less startups we have, the more we can actually focus on them and help them. Uh, so it's rather quality and not quantity. Yeah, and, and today we have 31 companies in our portfolio. Um, we aim to continue our Berlin accelerator, but we also uh, figured that over the last couple of months that we see a closer intersection and a growing intersection of sports and health tech. Um, what does that mean? Um, one of our key verticals, which is connected athletes, uh, we see that through sensors, through variables, um, we actually gather data from sports, from athletes, but also from basically all the people participating in the mass market. So we know their heart rates, uh, we know how many steps they, uh, they make each day and so on. So the data is getting more and more sufficient. Um, algorithms, IoT put, put a different meaning around that data. And, and so we see the longer you actually collect the data, uh, the more hypothesis you can draw um, for your future behavior, your future health status, and so on. Um, that could at some day influence insurance packages, that could at some point uh, influence medical pricing or the medication you receive on a very individual basis. Um, so we decided it's not only our Berlin Sports uh, Academy, uh, but it's also a lead Lake Nona Academy in the US. Lake Nona is mm -hmm. a, a small community close to Orlando in Florida um, that is fully centered around basically the beliefs of sports and health tech. So your personal well-being. Uh, we have super exciting partners there, for example, the Johnson & Johnson Performance Center, the Adidas Performance Center. Um, we have America's biggest veteran hospital located there. We have the medical department of the University of Central Florida. Um, the Tennis Association of the United States, the USTA, is, is represented there with over 100 courts. Um, and that's most importantly for us, there's a community of over 10,000 connected households. So all the people that moved to Lake Nona basically are aligned in the spirit of well-being, fitness, working out, staying healthy, um, eating healthy. And this is, this is why we decided next to our Berlin Academy, we want to have a U.S. Academy um, to basically finish or, or add a next step to our ecosystem that we created. And uh, lastly, yeah. I told you now about the academy, both in Berlin and Lake Nona. We have the lead portfolio, basically our, our seat investment uh, vehicle. And 
one year, two years ago, um, we started raising a Series A fund, a 50 million Series okay. A fund, um, as a joint venture together with Israel's biggest investor, Our Crowd. Um, okay. This fund is currently being fundraised. Um, we've done two investments so far. Um, the fund is is supposed to close in 12 to 18 months, and then we have three verticals, uh, three. Um, three businesses, three business units uh, in our lead sports ecosystem, the academy, the portfolio, and the Series A fund. And in the best case, we can support startups all the way from a very early idea stage towards growth and scalability um, phases. Great. All right. Now you want to know potentially a bit more about my role at lead. Yeah. Okay. I, I joined um, 2018, September 2018. I said it already as an investment manager. Uh, back then, we were only two people focusing off a portfolio of 31 companies. Um, but it's not only a small portfolio team back then, it is a small team in general, which basically makes the colleagues your best friends. And I really love working in a team where you have such a close interaction where you can trust each other on a daily basis, uh, not only on professional issues. Um, so this ensures a constant communication. Everyone has certain skills, but we are all aligned in working towards one vision and one mission. Um, and then mid of last year, I was leading a team of three. Um, we focused on the on the growth of our 31 portfolio companies. Uh, we've done investments. We executed investments. So my daily job is is a day-to-day -day support um, of our portfolio companies, but also structuring investments, having negotiations with commercial partners, um, aligning with other funds um, on potential mm -hmm. investment targets, um, because. I think the core principle of venture capital investment is that you yourself, you can add certain um, certain things to a startup. You can help in, in certain areas, but of course you need partners on board um, yeah. financially, but also with the, with the right business know-how uh, that complements your skills um, and makes the startup even better um, focused on growth and, and, and scale. Um, yeah, and and with the end of last year, beginning of this year, my focus also shifted towards the U.S. operations of our Lignona Academy. Um, I will be managing all the operations there and hopefully ensure that we offer there the same best-in-class support in the, in the area of sports and health tech that we already have established in Berlin. While continuing um, a day-to-day -day portfolio support, I sit on uh, some, board, uh, some boards of the companies of our startups. Uh, for example, one is our, our shining success um, startup uh, called Ruta from Delhi, actually an Indian uh, startup. Um, yeah. I've visited Delhi earlier this year. Thank, thank God it was before uh, coronavirus um, hit the country, but um, these are all the exciting stuff I do day by day, um, and I think that's very inspiring. And if if you have the chance to to basically work in such a team with such passionate sports tech founders, then it's the best job you can find in this world. 
Yeah, great. So, like, um, I'm also uh, uh, currently in talks with uh, Piyush, who's the founder of Router. So, mm-hmm. he's going to come soon on the podcast as well. Oh, um, nice. Because I found that um, quite uh, interesting. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I found quite interesting is basically uh, when I did my research, right? When I started uh, on site, the sports booking thing and all, Lead Sports was quite helpful because I just got to know you know, the kind of companies that are out there in the sports space. So that was a little bit of an inspiration because I'm obviously completely from a different background in the sense that I had a corporate career. I wasn't working in any entrepreneurial or any venture capital fund. So the exposure to startups was very minimal. So to kind of inspire myself and just get a bit of background into what I'm getting myself into, Leechpost was quite helpful because I just saw the types of companies out there. And, you know, that is one, uh, one question I wanted to ask you. Which are some of the companies that, you know, you are really, you know, uh, bullish about or something that really excites you? Obviously, you know, you are equally excited about all your portfolio companies, but could you just name like a few startups that, you know, are really doing something interesting or cool? Oh, in a portfolio of 31 companies, uh, that's not an easy question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> first, first of all, thanks for your words um, regarding our startup database and and that we helped you to get a better overview of what's happening in the in the sports tech startup space i think it's an advantage that we are actually doing our academy programs once in a year um, because over the last three programs we actually received nearly 2000 applications we have now a sports tech database of more than 7000 startups so this definitely mm-hmm. helps to to read the under, uh, read the ecosystem, understand it, analyze it, and and draw the right conclusions of yeah. what are the trends right now, but more importantly, what are the trends over the next five to ten years. And if you then keep engaged with clubs, with leagues, with professional athletes, then you get kind of a very precise picture of what are the needs, um, what are the supplies in in the given market. Um, I think answering your question about what kind of portfolio companies I like, um, we've, we've seen many companies, we've seen many different technologies. And if you think about sports tech, I think it's not directly said that we have that much variety, but when we go from fan engagement, like how clubs engage with their users, when we mm. move towards connected athletes, so how, do athletes become better with data prediction, with the internet of things, with artificial intelligence that analyzes, for example, their strokes in tennis or whatever yeah. to esports. And as I said earlier, all the, all the intersection between sports and health tech, then we have a variety of startups that can succeed in each of these areas. Um, I especially like every startup that has a passion to it. This is... Mm. <laughs> Most of the time, um, the case and the given when we look at sports tech startups, but um, startups, for example, in our portfolio, Skill Yoga, a Berlin-based company, um, focusing on athletes, making athletes become better athletes through mindfulness, through focus on their self, through, through strength and mobility foundations. Um, I think these are, these are startups that not only are there for the business, for the monetization case, but also care about the users um, and yeah. care about making them better in their lives, making them more self-aware and so on. 
Um, mm. In the areas of data, we have a startup called Wingfield, also our, our second uh, German startup um, that transforms any traditional tennis court into a smart court through artificial intelligence, through data. Mm. So basically, you just have two cameras attached to a net post and you as a player, you get the same statistics as a Rafa Nadal or Roger Federer at the US Open. Um, mm. And by that, you get recommendations how you can improve for example your technique of the two-handed back and to become a mm. better tennis player to succeed in your sport um, which of course a, a trainer can do um, but i think through data you first of all have a second uh, recommendation a second validation of, of what is needed plus you can constantly work on it so a coach can always give you feedback and say yes you really progressed but seeing it in terms of numbers, in terms of my two-handed backhand score increased from 81% to 87% because I'm hitting um, the point, uh, the balls at the right point uh, with my racket, that, that changes a lot. Um, then we have interesting startups in the betting space, um, free-to-play startups focusing on betting, who knows wins, for example, a London-based company focusing on social betting so you can interact with your friends you don't have the bookie as an intermediary, but you basically bring back all the all the tension that is um, that is centered around betting back to mm. the traditions, back to friends versus friends or uh, colleagues versus colleagues, uh, which makes the the experience better, uh, simply better. Um, then, of course, we have Ruta, our our root uh, Indian-based company, focusing on on fan engagement, focusing on community building. So a so-called Facebook for uh, sports fans in India, focusing on cricket, football, but also with the, with the aim to expand globally and to offer more sports, to offer more leagues um, where fans can create content, whether it's images, whether it's comments, whether it's audio commentary, video commentary. So um, everything that really brings a community together and i mean we will talk later about the threat of coronavirus and covid19 mm. but this is exactly what is fostered right now and strengthened right now in the market um that fans have sport because sport is such an important part um to everyone's life uh, and we can still keep being engaged and and share our ideas share our beliefs and and grow as better personalities in the area of sports um, and maybe an, the last example um, is a company called GGWP in Australia, um, focusing on the esports segment, uh, focusing on young esports athletes, teenagers, maybe also kids um, who have the vision of becoming esports athletes, but they don't know how to represent themselves. What does it mean mm -hmm. to be present in media? What does it mean to become an influencer? How to become an influencer? Um, and you can basically sign up, participate in workshops and learn how to grow your personality to, to become a successful presenter in that space. And I, I think, and, and that's the core belief, everything that really helps people becoming a better self is, is super important in those times and, and super 
emotional about how we and how our founders can help uh, people on the on, on a global scale to achieve that. Great. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you was about the current situation. Now, obviously, for me personally, I had to kind of take this decision, and now I'm going ahead with, uh, you know, uh, with observed is that probably first uh, when I started off with the sports venue booking app, there were a lot of challenges. Um, that I faced, which right now doing this quiz is kind of completely given me a new set of challenges in a better way. So what I mean by that is that obviously the market for sports booking is not really that great. Um, but compare it to, you know, a quiz for the number of sports fans, that's a very big market. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that's one example. The other example is the amount of feedback that I'm getting, uh, you know, because immediately I've launched it is obviously different from, you know, when I was going ahead, speaking to people and just asking them if, you know, a better sports booking app would help and trying to figure out the features and etc. That was a much tougher road. This has become a much easier road. So although, you know, this thing has hit me and I had to change, it's actually kind of put me in a position where I'm feeling better about my startup in general. Uh, you know, so just your thoughts on what you uh, you know, uh, you would advise the current startups in your portfolio or any startup in general of how to, you know, navigate this uh, current situation? I mean, you're a perfect example that a crisis like that um, is not only a threat, but a great opportunity for startups. Yeah. And I think looking at startups, and I've done a, like, I would say more than more than 200 due diligences over the last couple of months, um, it's important to identify those founders who can keep innovating. And, and by that, I mean, when I talk to startups, I all, always have the impression or oftentimes I have the impression, okay, great. They have a nice solution in their minds. They know how to bring it to the market. But I know that hmm. these guys are not sitting together week by week, day by day and trying to step out and trying to analyze their business over and yeah. over and see how mm -hmm. can I tweak certain features to make my product better, to make my product more sustainable, to better suit it to the needs in the market. Um, and if you're not that kind of a personality, I'm, I'm convinced, I personally am convinced that you will fail over, over time. Um, because mm. you can not react to, for example, a customer feedback. Um, and this doesn't have to be related to any crisis. This can be like a simple feedback from customers where you yeah. as a founder think, okay, that's the need in the market, but the need in the market is actually defined differently. And if you're not yeah. able to, to see that, to change and adapt to that, you will fail automatically. Um, so I think translating it into, into the current situation with COVID-19 threatening and basically the businesses, so many ecosystems around the world, um, it's super important that startups sit down and continue to sit down, re-evaluating the businesses um, and adapt it to new changes. Um, and what, what we are doing with LEAD is, of course, reacting uh, to the threat of COVID-19. Um, we talk to all of our portfolio companies. We reduce the burn rate uh, sometimes by more than 50%. Um, our idea is 
that the, the, the runway should basically lead them through 2021. Um, every company that is basically looking for money in the next couple of weeks and months will really have a hard time convincing investors um, that they're a sustainable business. But um, mm. we also have businesses where, where this current crisis is an opportunity. I mean, I mentioned Skill Yoga, our yoga app uh, before. Now we have so many, like thousands, millions of people where the gyms are closed and they are now at yeah. home working yeah. out in a way that is not really a replacement for the gym workout. But yeah, they, they might focus on yoga. They do the skill yoga because it helps them to build their strengths. Uh, it helps to focus on mobility um, and mindfulness. And I think there you, you can cut, for example, um, tech costs or you can cut HR costs, but you cannot really cut a marketing spend because this is the time to shine right now. This is the time to be on Instagram, to be on Facebook, to be on, uh, to be on many channels as possible with a very focused performance marketing uh, that approaches those people in need for activity. And um, yeah, it's, it's really a case by case analysis uh, which startup is really threatened by COVID and which startup can mm. see it as an opportunity. I think in the end and, and relating it to the overall startup financing uh, ecosystem, I think that will dramatically change. Um, not only in sports tech, but also fintech, prop tech. Um, we have so many scam businesses that <laughs> were very successful in the last decade in raising money just mm. purely because there was a clear path to IPO, to exit, to an acquisition. But mm. the business model itself was far away from being profitable, uh, far away mm. from satisfying the customers and purely focused on growth and, and unhealthy scalability. But I think that will, that will change. Um, VCs will go back to... Um, kind of finding startups that managed to survive such a crisis because if you really manage with limited resources to survive till February, March last year, even though your runway was initially August or September 2020, uh, then you mm. automatically prove that you are the right person um, to guide and ship a, a startup through that crisis. Um, and this makes you a better manager, yeah. not, not only for a team of 10 people, but over time also as a manager of a team of 100,000 or even more people. Um, and I think by proving that VCs will over time kind of select the right startups, due diligence will take longer. Um, but I mean, the funds are committed. VCs still have the money. They need to allocate it. They need to... Um, invest into startups, they need to increase their portfolio and by that um, decreasing their own risk. Um, and in the end, these business models that really prove out to satisfy the customer, to retain them, to engage them, um, companies that have a transparent communication um, to the customers, but also to stakeholders, to the investors, and more importantly, have a long-term milestone um, setting. These are the companies that will be even more successful after the crisis than they were before. And maybe after a decade, mm -hmm. as I said, of pure 
valuation fights um, and, and fundraising cycles where a startup, basically the milestones of the startups were going from a C to a series F fundraising. Um, I think this will, this will not be the core of our business anymore. We will hopefully, and I'm personally convinced, we will see that the focus shifts towards a more and more uh, profitable business. Um, and as I said, those with a long-term strategy are the ones succeeding here. So what's your take on sports tech or basically your thoughts on sports tech in general? Yeah, so, well, you know, Sports is always centered around passion. Um, so the biggest mm. challenge in my job in a sports tech investor's job is finding smart entrepreneurs that are combining the passion with the disruptive business model. And I think mm. sports tech is very, yeah, a very special case here because in fintech, in prop tech, you might not have that passion, but the people coming up with ideas are sometimes already super smart. While in sports, I see people that are purely coming from passion, um, but where a disruptive business model is, for example, missing, where I know after 10 seconds that this could work for your 10 best friends, but doesn't work yeah. for a nation nor actually a regional service or regional area. Um, so I think the biggest challenge for us and for the entrepreneurs is always don't be blinded by that passion. Um, yeah. Passion is a good thing, um, but passion should be used in a healthy and very sustainable way. Um, and by the way, uh, that this does not only apply for uh, founders, this also applies for business angels, VCs. I have seen many cases where for example, a clear investment thesis, a thorough analysis is sometimes completely missing just because there is that shared passion. And because there is a shared passion, you believe in the idea. Um, but me personally, I believe you need to have that shared passion, of course. Without that, it's not impossible to work together over such a long time in, in such a tense uh, relation. But you always have to keep in mind it's a business that should monetize, that should lead at some point uh, to the path of profit, uh, profitability. And, and this is the goal. So aligning a professional and personal interest. Um, and if that's given, then it's the best investment. It's, it's the best job in the world you can have. Um, and especially looking at sports tech, I think the sports tech is some of the ecosystems out there that is yet to be disrupted or hasn't been fully disrupted. That's probably better. Um, traditional sports were engaging over the last years, decades, and especially in the area, our vertical that we call fan engagement. Um, I was personally always skeptical because there are so many business models out there um, so many clubs, leagues, federations actually talking about fan engagement and finding solutions. But for me, it was mm. always kind of a playground for those clubs, leagues to try out many different things. But from a business perspective, you never had that monetization and scalability path because it was more trying out and then trying out the next stuff and sometimes adopting when something was working great. 
Now with the coronavirus threat, I think we see that traditional sports have the need and are forced to change even quicker um, than they were talking about before. Because traditional sport is not working right now, will hardly work in the next couple of weeks of months and probably years. So new ways, disruptive ways to engage your fans to make the sport, maybe without spectators, as insightful, as emotional, as it is sitting sitting in a stadium. That's, I think, one of the biggest challenges in the areas of fan engagement and disruption uh, will take place here. And the whole threat of coronavirus just accelerated that process. Um, and if we look into other... Yeah into other areas, our other verticals, connected athletes, uh, I mean, esports, I don't have to talk about esports, that's uh, heavily boosted right now, but connected athletes, technologies mm -hmm. like artificial intelligence, augmented reality, virtual reality. I think these are trends that are now becoming more and more market ready. Um, companies adopted, presented to users, users get used to um, using those features. And I think, especially when relating to Internet of Things, big data, it finally arrived in sports tech. Um, and one of the companies, uh, Wingfield, I will talk later about it and, and give a better insight about what they are doing, is using that data uh, to improve the daily life of an athlete. Wow, great. Um, so uh, thanks. That was very uh, <laughs> insightful. Um, I just like to end uh, always with a fun rapid fire round. Uh, so yeah, just sure. basically three quick questions. Uh, who's your favorite sports person? My favorite sports person. I'm I'm a tennis player, um, okay. so I need to opt for a tennis player. I <laughs> love Andre Agassi and his biography Open, uh, but I have to go for a German superstar, mm -hmm. and I go for Tommy Haas uh, because he was the one uh, very oh. emotional on the court, um, but also very self-reflective. Yeah. There's a video of him playing Davidenko in a, I think it was an Australian Open match, uh, where he made a mistake. Um, then it was a uh, change of sides. He sat down on his bench and he was talking to them. He was giving himself shit, uh, even talking about stopping. Why is he doing that? What are the fans <laughs> thinking about him? So basically, one minute he's trash talking about his own performance. And then within 10 seconds, he says, okay, now let's go out on the court. Uh, let's play the best tennis ever. You can do it and so on. And he goes back on the court and the next point he plays is a straight long line ball. I think with his, his uh, one-handed backhand. Um, yeah, and Tommy Haas is an idol because you can, you can translate his sports personality into a professional personality. And, and I think that's super crucial as a founder, as an investor and as any professional uh, person out there. Nice. Um, I, I actually did a little bit of research. You have a coaching license as well, right? In yes, I, I have a coaching oh. license that helped me yeah, to survive nice. in my high school and university times. <laughs> and it was oh, fun okay. to stay outside on the court and be tent while the others were sitting in a lecture uh, inside yeah, the university. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, second question is your favorite book or any book that you would recommend right now? I mean, a normal book I, I read in my free time and my most favorite one is, of course, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, um, nice. On a professional level, I would opt for the classic uh, Zero to One from Peter Thiel. Yeah. 
because it offers so many insights. And even though it was written in 2014 and it's already six years old, wow, I think it was 2014 or 2013, um, you can still translate it in, in so many things. Also, also things that are right now happening with COVID-19. And it helps you as a founder to become a better uh, person, but also helps the investor to become a better and more sophisticated investor. Nice. I've, I've read that book. I think that and uh, the hard thing about hard things is probably the two most uh, cited books, like from, you know, yeah. my peers and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, I think in general, anybody who wants to get into the startup or investing needs to read that because uh, more importantly, it doesn't give you any, uh, I would say any technical uh, kind of insights, but it's more on the personal human uh, side of, you know, understanding startups. Obviously, Peter Thiel gets into a little bit of the business side, but I think he also allures to, you know, how to handle it as a founder, which I think is very, very important. Yeah. And in, in the end, uh, I mean, especially the part where I'm involved in early stage financing, it's a personality yeah. game. You have to believe and trust in the person's, not really the business model, because the business model needs to have that USP, that idea that might disrupt a market. But in the end, it's the, it's the founder who's, who's building that business over years and you need to have that trust in him. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's an environment focused around humans and not yeah, business and- models. Yeah. And, and the last question, I think maybe you've answered it already in the first one, but your favorite sporting moment, was it, was it the Haas one or do you have something else? My favorite sporting moment. Like something that just comes to your mind, something inspirational yes, I, or. I have two. Um, oh, okay. Actually one, of course, uh, I'm German and uh, the world cup, the football world cup or soccer world cup 2014. Yeah. Uh, was an experience standing there in a crowd of, I think, three, four thousand people and celebrating our win in the final over Argentina. That was definitely one highlight of my sports uh, fan career. Uh, the other where, one is sorry, not so actually... Sorry, where were you? Were you, in a, were you in a pub or something or in some... Public viewing. I was on, oh, okay, uh, okay, nice. uh, in, a, in a park with, I would say, three, four thousand people. Not that many people. I mean, in Berlin, we, for example, mm-hmm. have like a whole street filled with I think in the end, 1,000 people. I like it yeah. slightly more smaller, but this was this was an amazing moment. We celebrated the whole night, um, so that was really, yeah, crucial crucial in my young life. Um, and another sports moment that comes directly to my um, mind is the tiebreak final of Federer and Djokovic of Wimbledon last oh. year. That was the fifth set fight. Um, this was by far one of the best games I've seen in my life. And I'm thinking many times about these moments because we have two of the, the biggest sports guys in, in the world uh, of all history and especially Federer. Uh, not being the youngest anymore, but a fighter, um, always fair. And when he was crying after the match, uh, there was also a tear in my eyes. <laughs> That's a... Nice. Um, so, Aaron, thanks a lot. I mean, this was really great. Um, so, thanks. Thanks so much for, you know, coming on the podcast. And no worries, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Onside podcast. Post COVID, we took some time to figure things out and now we're heading in a new direction. I plan to use this podcast to put up some more content and the new vision for Onside, so stay tuned. And don't forget to subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple, Castbox and Google. Stay safe.